You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. Good evening, good evening, good evening, everybody. It is The Dice Men Cometh with episode 305 of this, the quarantine series of Australia, nay, the Southern Hemisphere's biggest, happiest and funnest Board game podcast, all about board games, card games, role-playing games, and all those kind of games. And I am joined online, as I am, by my good friend, Mr. Garth. Hey, Leon, and hello, the Southern Hemisphere? Or can yeah. I say hello to the world? You can say hello to the world. We have plenty of listeners in the Northern Hemisphere, but um, sadly, we have a bit more competition in the Northern Hemisphere, so we don't really like yeah. to mention that too much. All right, well, hello, world, and hello, competition. Indeedy do. Now, I haven't spoken to you for more than like, say, 10 seconds in the last two weeks, Garth, because we've been busy little boys, even though we're supposed to be staying away from everybody. Absolutely. It has been busy, 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 not board gaming, although I have played a crap load of Giant Azul, which is awesome for the lounge room floor. But I've also I've mowed the lawn and I constructed an espalier frame yesterday so that's the first i've never done that before so now my trees are going to grow perfectly there you are you're in quarantine and you're making up words and tasks at the same time they're french words so they do sound classy oh that's good to know well i have installed a new oven and i changed the battery in my car because it hadn't moved in days funnily enough that's the kind of conversation you get (laughs) from australia's best uh, leading board game uh, podcast and radio show. Now, we are very fortunate to be joined by yet another special guest and someone who needs no introduction, so she's not going to get one. No. Hey, Ella. Hi. Hi. Hi, universe. I'm expanding, <laughs> I'm expanding our audience here. Oh, excellent. We're going to the universe now. We haven't yes, quite yes. nailed the Northern Hemisphere, but let's have a crack at the universe while we're at it. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool, I'll cool. So, I look at literally drinking, Garth is. Oh, yes. He's got the wine. I've got the whiskey. With the, which, did you not get the email about all the drinks? No, you, you did have? not tell me this. Okay. Well, I when came we stop, unprepared. When we stop for the commercial break, you'll have to go get a... Um, <laughs> what are the giant wines called? What are they called? Gimlet? Is that Magnum? a word? Magnum. No idea. What's a Gimlet? Magnum. I just made that up. Anyway, we're supposed to be talking about board games and stuff. So, Garth, what are we talking about today on this episode? Well, we are talking about a game... That is like a game that we've played several times before and does feature quite highly in some of our top 10 games of, for at least the last seven years. Uh, but it's not quite the same game, Leon. So you might have something Ooh. to say about the game that we're talking about and also the game that we're not going to talk about, that it's like the game that we're going to talk about. Then Good. we will do guessing. a Lovely. little bit <laughs> of a conversation with Ella from Ella Loves Board Games just to find out what makes Ella tick and why she would waste her Saturday night talking it with Leon and myself. Yeah, what she's doing in our houses, it's odd. Exactly yeah. right. And then we are going to go straight to the big screen, which is not what a lot of board games do, no. and talk about an actual board game documentary that is available through all your online board gaming platforms and hopefully all the ones that you can pay to download movies on. So it's not we're not mm. talking Netflix here, but we're talking... Google Play and iTunes and Vimeo and potentially some other ways. But this is a bona fide board game documentary all about game designers. Yes, and we will get stuck into talking about all that in a moment. Now, before we chuck to a break and start talking to the lovely Ella Loves Board Games, we are going to, Garth, we haven't spoke much of late, so of course we need a bit of 
refresher oh, from really? my favorite emergency question. Emergency question. So I'll ask Ella this in a minute, but I'm going to ask you this now. What is the closest you've ever been to the North Pole? Oh, I worked out mine earlier. Mine is um, mine's Norway. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I've I've been to Canada. That's pretty north. I've been to Denmark and Scotland. They're pretty north. I think that's probably as far as I can go. I haven't got my globe with me, but I'm, I think I, Scotland I would be maybe Scotland to... or Scotland yeah. or bits of Canada might be as far north as I've mm. been. Either way. Well, that's the kind of excitement you're going to get on Australia's favourite board gaming (laughs) podcast. So we will be back after these messages for whatever I put in the edit. And remember that the Dicemen Cometh are proudly brought to you, as we are always, by our good friends at LFG Australia. Check them out at lfg-aus.com for all your board gaming needs. And we will be back with our interview with Ella after this. I'm so bored. This self-isolation is getting me down. I've even had to read every single rule book for every game that I own, even though I've got no one to play them with. And I'm possibly going to go down the mark rabbit hole of playing solo games. Is this what I've become? <sighs> At least I'll uh, get off my ass and have a bit of a walk around. At least walk to the computer, I guess. Is there anything on the internet anymore? Wait a minute, what's this? TheCampaignerMagazine.com? You're telling me there's an Australian tabletop magazine that I can look at from the comfort of my own computer or can get delivered to me via the wonders of post? The Campaigner Magazine is designed right here in Australia by Matt Lee. It is currently up to issue 31, although you might want to check out issue 25 for a beautiful cover photo. And this magazine features everything that you could ever possibly want to know about board gaming, role-playing, insider news and gossip, interviews with designers, publishers. And it's a really fascinating magazine to see what's going on in the world of tabletop gaming. So if you like the sound of that, and if you're listening to our podcast, you probably do, make sure you jump onto the campaignermagazine.com and check it all out. You can even get... Their back-ordered issues delivered straight to your computer or your postbox again. Now, if you are also a budding designer who's got the next great Kickstarter, the Campaigner magazine allows you to advertise in there as well. Their prices are really, really low, and the Dicemen Cometh also publish uh, some advertising in there as well, which is great. So, look, jump onto the CampaignerMagazine.com. It'll definitely alleviate any boredom you are feeling by being stuck in home. And you're guaranteed to have hours and hours of fun. And just remember, 31 issues, but the issue 25 is my personal favourite. Back to the show. So that was whatever I put in the edit on possibly a Edge Radio 99.3 FM. You are with the Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. And we are back with your favouritest board game podcast. Well, at least I hope so anyway. We put a lot of effort into this, I promise. And Garth, we are going to talk to our lovely guest. Absolutely. So we're not going to start this week's episode with a what we've been playing, because that's so pre-COVID. We're going to start by making the star of the show our special guest who bothered to turn up in her own living room, which is really lovely. Thank you. you no, yeah, it's, it's, no, I'm actually outside. <laughs> yeah? Oh, yeah. It looks yeah. like... Uh, 
Manhattan. Like way in Manhattan. That's, that's brilliant, Ella. I love yeah. it. <laughs> so, look, for those of you who have been living under rocks, oh. who are you, Ella? What are you? Why are you? And why should we have you on our show? All right. Um, uh, you should have given me more time to create <laughs> a better resume. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I'm Ella, and as they've said, I have a YouTube channel called Ella Loves Board Games. I'm Ella Loves Board Games on everything. Sometimes I regret that name because now I'm stuck with it. I should have just. <laughs> but yeah, that's what, you know. And so I do love board games and I've, I started a YouTube channel. I started with Instagram first as for urging of my friends because they said you love this so much and you take good pictures. Why not put it on Instagram? And then my 40-year-old self was like, why would I be on Instagram? <laughs> so after a little bit of urging, I did. And then I posted a few things on BGG and stuff like that. And then I got invited by, um, well, a prominent YouTube channel to join them. And, and there I was. So I've been doing a lot of things in the industry. In fact, mm. I just got a job with VR distribution. So I'm actually in the industry officially now because, you know. I get paid for a living now to be in the industry. Before it was just like sidelines. <laughs> well, that's that's a pretty small group to be part of to actually be earning your living wage out of this board gaming hobby. Because as much as we all love it, we can't do it just for for hugs and kisses and the occasional free board game alone. So to be able to earn an income is something that I think deserves congratulations, Ella. Oh, that's something that me and you, Garth, also do, of course. Patreon plug, Patreon plug, Patreon plug. <laughs> <laughs> Give them all your money, please. There you Absolutely. Go. There's, your, there's your quote for the episode. So, Ella, it's it's been a pretty rapid rise, I think, for you, because it's it's only been a couple of years since you first started. I, I in fact, had to cast my memory back to this, this litter um, Facebook chat we had when when good friend of mine in the show, Alex Winter, first oh, yes. started a little chat and went, you should you should talk to Ella. She knows about board games and, and wants to get into this. So you must admit it's been a pretty crazy couple of years for you over over this such short time. It has been actually. I've been thinking how lucky I am. This is gonna be a downer, but please bear with me. Like I've been thinking of like there are a lot of people who are losing their jobs and I feel a little bit of guilt that um I shouldn't be it's such a downer, but I feel lucky that I have such a great job. Yeah, that basically that's it. And that uh, actually, um, if you didn't know, the board games are actually selling by the four, 400%, like 400% more than the usual. So it's been crazy. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. And yeah, it's been fast, but also I'm guessing um, I've invested a lot of money, so <laughs> into it, I've been going to international cons, and it is a lot of work, um, now that I realize. I thought it was just going to be fun. <laughs> Who would have known it was just, uh, it's a lot of work also. <laughs> yeah, we thought it was just going to be fun too, and then, uh, yeah, all this responsibility and, like, people oh, asking us to do things started to happen. It's crazy talk. Mm, editing and uh, stuff. Absolutely. But look, I mean, the whole point of this is hopefully to have some fun. We, as as the dice men cometh, of, of quite often it was started just because let's just do something that was fun. And we Absolutely. continue with that attitude, which is, you know, part of the reason why, you know, I think Mark decided to take a little bit of time away from the show is just to, to take the opportunity to recharge the batteries and, uh, right. and hopefully get back into it in the not too distant future. But what I see with with the the quality of production that you do is that 
we're lucky. We do a one hour show and we record it live to air and we don't have to show our faces or have good looking photos or anything. You do. And that requires <laughs> a lot of work that people don't actually see. They just see this end result and go, oh, I, I can do that too. Yeah, no, it, it's been a lot of learning. I've had good mentoring also. And I guess I, I have an, a big interest in it. Uh, I did have a communication degree, so it's not as if it came from nowhere. But um, working on that pneumatic device in the olden times <laughs> where you had to spin a wheel to edit is very different from editing digitally. So yeah, I guess a lot of interest in the, I really have a passion for board games, really. That's what propels me to do the things that I do. But yeah, it's hard work. And sometimes, you know, um, there's a lot of burnout also with content creators because you, you you go in it with a passion and then you realize it's a lot of work that sometimes you don't really enjoy. Not all of it is fun. Well, absolutely. Sorry, Leon, what, were you, what do you want to say, mate? No, I was just going to say, you're very much right. That people seem to forget mm. that um, when you're really passionate about something, if you're with other people that aren't as passionate, it can really sap your energy so, so quickly, which is... You know, it's a bit of a shame, but at the end of the day, we are in this for fun and, you know, we're doing relatively well and keeping things positive, which is grand. Now, you mentioned you've been to a few different international cons over the time, which is lucky. Lovely work there. You've beaten us to it. We were considering it doing it this year, but guess what? That ain't going to happen now. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> please, uh, tell wear us a about... Mask. <laughs> yeah, we could possibly... Well, I think it's more along the lines of planes existing more than anything. Mm. So, mm. Uh, tell us about some of your experience uh, at some of these cons overseas, uh, probably when you first went, and now that you're kind of a part of the industry as well. Yeah, so the first con I really went to was SaltCon, which was a small playing con. Uh, those are still my favorite, like the playing cons. If I were to choose, I would only go to those. But you go to conventions to network. And the best one that I went to this year was actually Gamma. I think I might do that every year now instead of choosing maybe even Gen Con. Because in Gen Con, uh, I'll just give you, so it, the one of the biggest ones that I've gone to are that. So at the start of the year, the Origins, which is been canceled but now they're doing an online thing and i'm actually the host of the family hour so tune in to that yeah congratulations um, on that that's awesome yeah i really love that it was family hour so because i think that's my i try to remember what my reason was for doing this and it's really to um get the hobby out there like have people play more board games and what's the best way then to reach out to families but yeah, so I go to Origins and then Gen Con, um, basically for networking to, it's very hard for us in Australia, as you may know, that <laughs> um, especially asking publishers to send all the way from here because it costs your firstborn to send any games. <laughs> yeah, so it matters a lot if you go. So I, I've been doing that. And a lot of it, but also, like I've, I've, I have a ton of, I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> Quiet. Australia's leading podcast, Ella, not just any podcast. <laughs> Absolutely staying in the edit. Absolutely is. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I thought there renovations going on. <laughs> Aye, it's gone. What was I saying? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's important to network just so that, um, yeah, you get to meet, meet the people in person. A lot of the industry is very personal. You're surprised because you go there and um, I, I guess I was expecting like a corporate feel, but no, this is like a friendly, personal, I have to meet you before I work with your industry. And so that's why I guess, that's why it was very fast. Going, going to the conventions helped a lot. 
yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things that uh, when I first started being part of the Dice Men, I was sort of behind the scenes and I was teeing up interviews and, and trying to make life a little bit easier for, for Trent and Mark. And that's how I approached it. It was a business transaction to get these designers and, and publishers to appear on what was then a little Australian podcast. Hmm. But it's amazing how when you get a bit of face-to-face -face time with a designer or a publisher, the whole world opens up to you when you just go... They're just normal people. They're just really good at what they do or they're just normal people and run a successful business or some iteration of that. But getting that face-to-face -face experience and that makes all the difference in, in what is still a relatively small overall business when you compare it to, you know, obviously video games or some other forms of entertainment. So mm. the fact that you've been able to get over in a really rapid succession, like you're, you're on a plane every couple of months traveling to, to usually the other hemisphere to go to convention after convention after convention. No wonder you now have really good connections all over the world and, and ultimately now in VR distribution, that's gonna continue for sure. I'm glad I have a break though, because that gets tiring also flying everywhere. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure you've got a break now, because as I mentioned earlier, oh, planes aren't a thing at the moment. <laughs> Yeah. So you might have some stuff you've got to do, but luckily you're doing it in the confines of your own home. Speaking of which, what have you been playing these last two months while I assume not going anywhere? Yeah, no, I haven't since gap. That was like, I don't even remember what month it is, what day it is. But yeah, <laughs> um, I've been playing a lot of online games just because that's what you do during COVID. Um, yeah. I have been, the best experience has been King's Dilemma. So we've been, somebody on Reddit, did um, a spreadsheet and detailed how you set up the game and it's been excellent and we've been doing that so I've been playing that with friends and I can say that it's the best legacy game I've played so it's just excellent yeah that it's sold out so unfortunately yeah. because of COVID it's hard to get yeah it's hard no. to get any game actually but yeah that has been my best experience so far you know what yeah. Uh, well yeah I hope you get to play it Oh, uh, we will. It's just got to make its way from your island down to our island. That's the problem. When we're, when we're yeah, an extra boat or an extra uh, plane down, it, it all just takes that little bit of extra time. But how have you found the shift from board game sort of media into board game distribution? Or are you, are you finding you've still got time to, to do both? Oh, yeah, it's been hectic. Uh, well, firstly, because I want to do a good job, and so I'm overcompensating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's not so different, I guess, because I'm doing the same work. They hired me for what I was doing already, so I do social media for them, and I do community. I guess I'm a community manager also, so I handle the Facebook, their Instagram, and I get in contact with influencers also to get games that we're promoting to those hens and hopefully they, they find it good enough for them to talk about it. But Absolutely. so but it's, it's the same work. I was going to organize a class um, competition with your um, sponsor, LFG. They were going to hold a big event, but you know, things happen like a pandemic that stops <laughs> those things from happening. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about it. The whole year has been thrown into disarray. It's really disappointing. Uh, we were so looking forward to getting to LFG this year. It was um, mm. going to be the first time all three of us were able to make it. Yeah, we were very much looking forward to get to the, all the cons across Australia this year, probably more than we ever have. Now I'm just kind of looking forward to seeing what Garth looks like in the real life because that's been a couple of months. I never thought I'd actually be looking forward to seeing Garth in like for real. <laughs> 
but sadly <laughs> I am. So anyway, that is a lovely introduction to our good friend Ella Loves Board Games. We are going to come back after this message to talk about a game that I think we're all quite big fans of to, to throw the kind of spoiler under the bus there. But before we do that, there's something important that we need to ask Ella, of course. And it's a bit of a hint, a bit of a hint to do with uh, what we're going to be talking about. So Ella, what is the closest you've been to the North, the North Pole? Why was that stressed? Why was that stressed? Um... (laughs) It's a little clue as to what we're going to talk about in a minute. Ah. I didn't know that. Um, I think, See, I might not think of it, Ella, but we're actually quite good at this. We're just very Uh, subtle. And you plan? Good Lord. Yeah. I think, yeah, with regard to, I think, Denmark, I think, the, like, Amsterdam, I would think, would be the highest that I've gone. I have not, I've not been to Canada. The highest in in the north, in the United States, I've been to maybe Philadelphia was the highest, uh, I guess. Amsterdam's higher Amsterdam than that, because I thought... That's why. I, hey, Amsterdam <laughs> is so much higher than that, <laughs> That's man. why. Yeah. Well, I thought Amsterdam oh, was yeah. mine, and then I looked at a map and went, no, Norway's higher than that, and you just can't remember it because, well, you were probably drunk when you were on those planes but that's beside the point <laughs> so uh that was our interview with ella and she's going to be sticking around for the rest of the show here on the dice men cometh proudly brought to you by our good friends at lfg and lfg aus.com and we'll be back in a moment to talk about a great game that you can play and buy from lfg Hello, hello, Ignacy Trevicek, Portal Games and you're listening to the dice men comet uh, have a great time so that was something or other random that I put in the edit as I do on this The Dice Men Cometh, possibly on Edge Radio 99.3 FM, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Now, Garth, I put a little hint in there earlier about what game we're going to talk about when I kept mentioning North and emphasising North. What game are we talking about that has to do with the North? Well, this this particular Northern um, Empire is actually multiple empires that we're talking about. We are talking about... Well, not quite lowercase, but small text imperial settlers, large text empires of the north. And it's by a good friend of ours and a designer who maybe knows how to design a couple of games. Is that is that right, Ellard? Would you you say that Ignazi knows how to design a game or two? Absolutely. Wonderful. So, look, empires of the north, I'm just going to read you the blurb so that for those of you who don't know, you now know. Settlers from three Nordic empires have decided to start their voyages and set sail for new lands in hopes of finding more resources and increasing their opportunities to expand. You will build new structures, take advantage of upcoming events and outsmarting your opponents in your path to greatness. And that's kind of it. You're going to each start being a different race of of settlers, I guess. Mm -hmm. You're going to be having your own individual little deck of cards, which is very similar to Empire, uh, sorry, Imperial Settlers. And you're going to start playing cards, doing actions, and ultimately winning the game, I hope. Not something I've been able to do yet, but we'll get there. But it does offer quite a lot of differences to Imperial Settlers, which is right there on my board game shelf. The first game I ever bought a foam core insert for and arguably one of my favourite games ever. So this conversation mm-hmm. right now could be make or break for my two games right here, Empires of the North or Imperial Settlers. It certainly can. But the fact is that it's in the kind of same family, in the same series. And like you said, the fact that you've got the same deck, that's pretty much though where the similarities end, or oh, except for the art, which is very similar. 
But they are yeah. two very different styles of game. So if anyone, for some reason, wasn't a big fan of Imperial Settlers, even though it's a decent game, but if it wasn't your thing, that's fine, you might find that Empires is a bit more your bag. Absolutely. So, look, the way it's going to work is everyone will start doing setup, and that's all fine. You'll then have one of the one, two, three, four, five, six different clans that you'll be able to choose. And the great thing is the rule book ranks these clans from one through to eight in order of difficulty or complexity. So if like me, you're playing with kids a lot of the times, you can play with these less complicated decks, which are basically, you just have to kind of get a little bit of an engine running to make it work. But when you're playing with your seasoned gamers who might have played this game numerous times before, you can really make sure that you're getting the more, I don't know, complicated uh, clans out or even mixing and matching it a little bit more. And not even to mention, Leon, there's a, an expansion or two for this, yeah? There certainly is. There is an expansion that adds new factions. There's two in each box. There is the Roman faction and the Japanese faction, both of which uh, I've been lucky to pick up. Haven't had a chance to get them to the table because they've both arrived in the last month and a half and I've seen nobody else except my wife. Um, <laughs> and I was going to say that I did play this with Garth and I believe Mark and a few of the other dice people. So, you know, uh, mental age aside, we all seem to be what you would class as seasoned gamers. Uh, Ella, when you played this, who did you play this with? Yeah, I played it with seasoned gamers also. Um, yep. They were... Yeah, even the easiest factions are really fun to play. It's not as if you play the easy faction and it's uninteresting. No, there are a lot of... Because of the way that you choose actions, it's always very meaningful what you have to choose. And I guess that makes it different from Imperial Setters in that sense, in that because um, the actions that you choose are the ones that are, you know, you know, you can only choose the action that is beside your um, token, right? So, and the way that is randomized also, every game will be different, which is, I guess, what's different in this game also. Would you believe that? But can yeah, you absolutely. Yeah. So I guess, look, just the, the quick overview of how this works. The game is played out over four phases. The first phase is the lookout phase, which is essentially where you're just going to draw a couple of new cards from the top of your deck. But before we even get to the phases some of the big differences. So in, in Imperial Settlers, you were, you're basically playing a predetermined number of rounds and whoever had the highest mm. victory points at the end of the game is the winner. This yes. one, you are playing until someone gets 25 victory points and that signals the end of the round. And then ultimately, you won't end up with 25 victory points. You'll end up with some number above that. But it's, it feels immediately a bit shorter because the, the path to 25 victory points you can go from almost no points to 25 victory points in one or two really killer turns. So in the lookout phase, you're going to draw these cards and this is where you get your first little bit of difference where you're going to be spending workers to keep the cards that you want. Now, spending is a little bit of a, a misnomer here because they don't go anywhere. Well, they go on your spent, token, your spent workers little token but you're going to get them back at the at the end of the round anyway. So these workers are basically being put to use. Their role in this, this game is to purchase cards and therefore you'll be able to use them down the track. So the lookout phase is, is basically a simultaneous thing. Draw some cards, choose the ones that you want. For every card you want, discard a worker into your, your, workers, um, your spent workers section. Then you're going to go into the action phase, which anyone who's played board games might have heard of this phase before. And surprisingly, it's also the meat of the game. It is where everyone will go around taking their turns to do one and precisely one action until you pass. And once you pass, you're out for that particular round. What you'll do, we'll get to that later. 
Then you go to the expedition phase, which is a whole new phase because that's not something that we've seen before in, in Imperial Settlers so much. And that's a whole other board where you can go to far-flung islands and not so far-flung islands and essentially get extra resources, some victory points or a whole new potential sort of location to action. And then you do that wonderful phase that everyone loves, clean up. Uh, it's basically bringing your, your stuff back and, and then getting excited for the next round. I love a good cleanup. Don't you don't you clean dare just, don't you dare discourage the cleanup phase. The cleanup phase is one of the funnest in all of board gaming. So just because it's called action and cleanup doesn't necessarily mean one's going to be more exciting than the other. Well, I dare say in the COVID-19 environment, a few of us could actually do with a bit more of cleanup phasing, I think. We could probably do with quite a bit more action phase as well because there's been, I was about to say there's not not a lot of action been going on around here, but that's that's not the hit on it. There's a lot of action going here, yeah. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> so look, in this action phase, you've got a, a couple of things that you can be doing with the cards. So the first thing you can do is quite simply build a location. A location is a card from your hand. You put it down, you potentially pay resources for it, and then it becomes a spot on your empire that you can action in future. Now, very similar to Imperial Settlers, if it's something that is a production building, you get that production bonus straight away, whether it be fish or wood or sheep or whatever, but you can do that. Or you can use your clan action pawn. How thematic is that? Again, rather than just, you know, something a little bit more interesting, an action pawn. And this is where that rondelle comes in, Ella, as you mentioned, because you're going to move one of your two action pawns to this variable rondelle that is five different things that you could potentially do. And the location of those things is always randomized at the start of the game. And this is where you need a little bit of planning for the rest of your own turn. Because even though there's five potential actions that you can play, when you put your action pawn down, you're only able to do the action then of where your pawn is or the action of an adjacent space on this rondelle. And that, if you don't plan, can really mess up your turn. How have you found that, Leon? Yeah, I quite really liked that mechanic. And the thing about this game, especially, that kind of similar to Imperial Settlers is that you are doing a lot of stuff in your kind of own area. So you could argue that it's one of those games where there's not as much player interaction as some other games. However, because of the iconography of this game and kind of the way that the, the, the turns work and just the way that the kind of table's set up, you do end up paying attention to what other people are doing. There was a game I played that we uh, people have wondered why we haven't done what we've been playing on, which is Chocolate Factory. People have asked me, Leon, you play Chocolate Factory and you work in a Chocolate Factory. Why have you not talked about it? <laughs> the reason I haven't talked about it is because it was garbage, <laughs> which is a shame because it was designed by an Australian as well, Matt Dunstan, which is a shame. But I didn't like that because it was like four people sitting around playing an iPad game that for some reason every few minutes we would kind of ask each other about and that was all the interaction there was. Whereas in this, I found that even though you're doing a lot of your own thing, I still found that it, I wasn't playing solo. I had enough interactivity to keep me interested. How did you find that aspect of it, Ella? Clearly you're not a Eurogamer because people, <laughs> this is what Eurogamers do, like play alone and then the interaction is just the looking up. Yeah, well, that's true, um, but I need, I need some interaction, <laughs> some interaction. <laughs> No, I did enjoy the. That's the one mechanic that I really loved about this because in a lot of engine building games, what you find is that one person sticks to one strategy 
and that always wins. Like you never change a strategy. I've played this before. I'm going to do this again. I'm going to win. Whereas because um, the, it changes every game that Rondell, you can't stick to one strategy. And so that's what's good about it. it so there's a lot of replayability, but also it, it's not boring because that person that you're playing with, and usually you have the same person you play with every week, right? You're, he's got to, he or they are going to play the same thing over and over again. It gets boring. And I, I didn't find it with this game yet. Absolutely. No, I agree. And the fact that it is also you flip over those rondelle tiles and that's how you're going to play the solo mode should you be all alone mm. and wanting to play a game it's just a really nice use of components so that's really really cool now the next phase that you could sorry the next action you could choose to do is raid an opponent now in imperial settlers raiding was pretty bad like if you mm. if you actually got those raised tokens and decided to attack one of your opponents and destroy a card or what have you that was pretty full-on but in this game it's it's a bit meh you go, okay, I raid you, Ella. Ha ha! And then you just flip like flip a card 90 degrees and you can't action that card for, for one turn. So maybe a little bit annoying, but more than likely not games destroying, I guess. If you've got a, a, a tableau that is all designed around one card getting all the points, that can really screw you over. But for the most part, at worst, it's a little bit of annoyance. And in the games I've played, really it's not an action that many people have taken very often no until you just said it then i completely forgot that it was part of the game <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing you can do which is also something that imperial settlers would be uh, players would know very well is actually using the the actions now again unlike imperial settlers you don't have a production phase where you just get all this stuff at the beginning of your turn the only way you're going to get stuff is to activate a location and that's where you're going to get your, your wood or your sheep or whatever, you're not going to get it at the start of the turn. The reason that's important is because you don't lose your stuff. You just need to have it. So you don't have to be con con uh, continually um, mm. you know, using those production cards. You just go, oh, I've got a card that needs two wood. I'll activate that thing one time and I'm going to always have my, my two wood kicking around. So it, it's, it's pretty simple to pick up this game. And I have no problem at all playing it with, with kids as well as adults because of the fact that you can slide those clan decks up and down depending on the level of complexity that you want. And it's really not that long so that if someone's not quite into the game, it's going to sort of draw to a natural conclusion pretty quickly anyway, which is something that I, I really like. But you're not talked about the, the conquering yet. I want to know about the conquering, the going out and conquering islands and whatnot. That was my oh, the thing expedition. I liked the most because it made me, the, made me like win and stuff. Yeah, yeah, well, if you like fish, Leon, and you like raise tokens, then expedition is where it's at. Because, look, on your turn, you can start an expedition. You can sail away to the high seas, maybe not on cruise ships at the moment because they're, they're not really where you want to be on right it now. It could be a good adventure, very different Well, it might adventure. be a one-way adventure. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. So, look, you've, you've got this separate expedition board. You've got close islands and far islands. And essentially, you've got to take one of your boats and then depending on what you want to do in the islands you want to visit, you've got to send a fish with you, which is the food resource because you've got to feed your sailors. And then depending on whether you want to visit or whether you want to conquer, you've got to send a raise token as well. And you've got to decide that when you start your expedition. So that is, that's something that you've really got to plan for. Now there's always going to be a few um, expedition islands available and you'll always be able to see what you can get. So you'll see the islands and if I go and explore it, I'm going to get, a victory point and an apple and something else 
or if I actually go and conquer it, it becomes potentially a new location in my own empire where I'll be able to do things on a repeating basis. And that can be really powerful. We found in the games that we've played that, especially in probably the last third of this game, expeditions are where it's at. People are just going absolutely hammer and tongs on these whole expeditions. And the board just gets absolutely full of ships, especially when you're playing at a maximum player count. What is the maximum player count of this anyway? Let's say four. Let's say four? I think it's probably four or five. Most it's four. Likely. It's four. Four, it's four. Yes, yeah. excellent. As we all reach for cardboard boxes sitting next to us. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we played this with four, and, and, it, and at four it worked completely fine, but I could easily see this working at three or two. Much like Imperial Settlers, I think it scales quite well. And having those, those yeah. different islands you can conquer come out adds that bit of... It's not random necessarily because... Well, when they come out each round, it's kind of random, but it adds a little extra spice to the engine you've already kind of got built in front of you. I would like to say, though, that I need more islands in this game. You will cycle through those islands very, very quickly, especially Mm. as people raid them and make them into locations in their own uh, empires. So I'm looking forward to seeing more and more of those islands. Well, Garth, have you heard of expansions? (laughs) I have. What do they offer, Leon, and why should I invest my money? Okay, well, I don't know if you should invest your money because I haven't played them yet, as I previously stated. However, the two <laughs> factions that have come out, the two different uh, Rome factions or Italian factions and the two different Japanese factions, they add those factions that you can play as, which adds, you know, the replayability. And there's also a, it's either a Viking or Barbarian fa- expansion that's coming sometime soon. Okay. But what they do add is they add more of those islands, both in the smaller and larger kind of categories uh, each expansion adds and just adds to that variety and i don't so yeah so every expansion that's going to come out is going to have those islands i believe the small ones and the big ones to add to more variety of the game so it's going to just get more replayability as it goes on and the cool thing about those islands is that from what i've seen they don't incorporate like the new things the factions do so if you wanted to use all these new islands with the base four things you can do which i find a very cool thing is the amount of expansions that you get for lots of games. Like these expansions are great, but mm. they use a lot of keywords or key phrases that only these expansion factions or such use. So it means if I want to play a game with people, I might have to separate stuff or remember what cards go with right. what. And it also means I'm less likely to pull it out of my gaming shelf to do so if I know that's a fact. Well, Leon, this all begs the question. Your whole thing about expansions is Mm. just give me more of what I like in the game. So I guess, do you like what's in the game? Do I like what's in the game? Well, well, yes, I do, Garth. I very much like this game. And um, (laughs) up until I played another game, which I've already talked about, so people can go back and play a guessing game there, I'd say this was probably my game of the year so far. Now, I know a lot of people are going, it came out last year. We're in Australia, remember. We only got it like the other day. We're not all Ella traveling around the world all the time. Yeah, exactly. Ella. <laughs> Sorry, let's let's stop. Garth, we're not supposed to be jealous and mean while she's here. We're supposed to wait. I know. I'm oh, being sorry. gracious. I'm being gracious. Yes, <laughs> um, but yes, no, I really like this. Um, I liked uh, Imperial Settlers. Didn't love it. I much preferred the, um, the post-apocalyptic version, the 
Fifty First oh, State. Fifty First State. Mainly only because of the theme, I liked a bit better, um, and I found that had a bit more player interaction as well. But overall, this game I prefer to them, even though they're not really comparable because they're kind of similar but kind of not. But just the fact of all the different replayability and that it is so simple, the iconography is really, really simple to wrap your head around. You don't really even need player aids in something like this. But And all the bits and pieces are really nice and tactile and fun. So, yeah, no, I, I highly approve. What do you think of it, Ella? Yeah, no, I really like it too. Like I, w- I was pushing this to friends. Um, it's very, I guess I like it better than Imperial Settlers because there is le- there is still attacking, but it's not as bad as in Imperial Settlers. And I'm a Care Bear in that sense. Like, <laughs> I don't like building something and having it raised to the ground by somebody else. There is still interaction in that sense that people who have been playing Imperial Settlers won't be disappointed by this. So... It just doesn't have the pain of losing a key structure. So that's why I like it. It's also very fast. Um, unlike other engine building games, uh, yeah, Q, um, I guess, like, uh, uh, what's that game? Where it's about Mars. Oh, my God. Terraforming uh, Mars? Yes, Terraforming Mars. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Okay. I no one's heard of that game job. anyway. Don't yeah, worry about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, like, it's not, it's short. It, if you're... Um, some of your structures get raised. Yeah, I can play it again like quickly. So it, it's not a big thing. Whereas if you're building an empire and then it gets raised to the ground after two hours, that hurts a lot. So Absolutely. I guess yeah. So the strength that and the variability, just that rondel that changes a lot, is is yeah great. So yes, hundred percent yes, I love it. So thing. Garth, as a man who would say that Imperial Settlers is in your top, I can't remember the number, but I'm pretty sure it was in. <laughs> yes. it was in top five of your favoriteest games, mm-hmm. Everest. Where does Empire sit on your list? Not, not, not saying is it in your top 10 because I don't want to spoil your end of year list, but, well, tell me, is this your favourite game ever? Is it? Is it? Tell us. <laughs> tell us now. Yeah. No, it's, it's not. Look, oh. I mean, I can't compare when I've played Empires of the North a couple of times and I've played Imperial mm. Settlers a hell of a lot more mm. and I've got all these factions and I've got all the expansions and I've got all the bits because yeah. Imperial Settlers just has this... You know, this emotional connection that this that game and I. So, like, I I really do like, you know, just the, the tweaks where you don't lose your resources and the mm. workers you, you you get back. And I do like the expedition mechanic, but I need to play it more and I need to hang out with you, Leon, and and play with those new expansion factions and just see if they add another other another twist. Because, you know, as I think we can all agree, sitting around this Zoom call. As, as board game reviewers, we have this challenge of playing a lot of new games all the time and not being able to go back and back and back. So I just haven't had a chance to go back to Empires of North enough before I get a real sense of where it competes against uh, Imperial Settlers. And I say I don't think it'll win. Just because, uh, again, in the end, it's the emotional connection to a game. And if you've yep. fallen in love with a game, bought all the expansion, it's very hard to beat. Yeah. Absolutely. And on that note, we should talk about emotional connection because our next break is all about that as we discuss a documentary about board game design. So is there any greater testament to devotion and dedication to a hobby you love than wanting to potentially bring this dream that you've had in your head for years and years to the table and make a game yourself? Oh man, I wish I was smart enough to even contemplate that. But 
that's something that we're going to talk about. Are we going to do it now, or Leon? Do we need to throw ourselves to a break? We need to throw ourselves to a break, Garth. We're proper radio super hosts. We understand how this works. All right. Well, let me have my turn because it's the Dice Men cometh. We are proudly sponsored by LFG, as you know we are. You can certainly buy Empires of the North, plus a whole swag of extra games there. Just lfg-oz.com.au. And we will be back after Leon's Patreon ad. Most likely. Hello, everybody. It's your friendly neighbourhood Leon here. Just a quick break in the action to remind everybody how you can interact with the Dice Men. Of course, we are on all those social medias so things like your instagrams your facebook your twitters we're on all of them at dice men cometh you can also email us at the dice men cometh at gmail.com that's a great way to get in touch with us for things like asking any type of questions but also sponsorship we've been doing that for several years now with various different promotions and ads and you can be involved in that too if you like also if you wish to help the dice man cometh you can get onto itunes and chuck us one of those cheeky five star reviews it helps people from around the world get to listen and we've met some great international listeners because of that so the more you can do that the merrier and if you would like, we also have our Patreon. You can go over there and chuck us a few bucks, completely up to you. Even if you threw us a dollar a month, you would not notice out of your bank account, but we certainly would. If everybody listening to my voice did that, we would be happy as Larry. And we use that money to good effect. We use it to get to various different conventions all around Australia. It ain't easy getting around this big old country that we have, but we manage and we do it because we want to meet you and play as many games as possible. Or you could jump over to redbubble.com, chuck in the Dice Men Cometh, and have any of our merch with our logo on it. We've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies, there are mugs, there are heaps of cool stuff over there. I've got quite a bit of it, and it all looks grand. So, with all that being said, thank you very much for listening and supporting us over the years. We absolutely love doing this show, and hopefully we'll be doing it for a long time to come, and your support is one of the main drivers of that. So feel free to get in touch about anything to do with board gaming or anything whatsoever. But enough of my chit-chat, back to the action. And that was Something With Somebody by Somewhere. You with the Dice Men Cometh, possibly on Edge Radio, but probably not. We are joined by unspecial person leon and very special guest ella from ella loves board games just search ella loves board games with a probably an at symbol at the front on all the medias Mm -hmm. is that right is that how this works ella yes except on twitter because twitter is very special so it's only ella loves bg there you go so if you love bg or board games make sure you check out ella as well as the dice men cometh which is the dice sorry dice men cometh on all the things Leon, yes, sir. have you been watching TV again? No, not at all. But I was luckily Good. enough, we were luckily enough to be sent a preview copy of, as we mentioned before, a board game documentary that everybody out there now can get access to. And we're going to tell you how to do that after we have a little chat about it. It is a documentary called The Game Designers. It's done by a documentary filmmaker by the name of Eric Rail, who is a big board game fan and just decided, I'm a documentarian. I like board games. Let's combine those two. So we did. And he was at a convention and he hooked up with uh, Scott Olden who of BGG. He's one of the big wigs at BGG. And he became the executive producer. So they kind of did it with them. And it took them... Potentially the biggest wig yeah. of BGG. And it was about three and a half years, like any good documentary, even though, you know, this is a, like a tight 90-minute documentary. Um, they're 
yeah, three and a half years it took them to do it. So it's one of those documentaries, like any good one, that has lots of different talking heads of people from our industry. So you've got people like, you've got your, um, your Friedman Fries, your Eric Lang, your Mike Selenka, you've got the Dice Tower guys, you've got your Ryan Lowell cats, all the people of that name. <laughs> There's plenty of others that I can mention and I'm sure that we will mention. However, the documentary itself focuses specifically on five designers and they do a very smart thing of they focus on five designers from different kind of aspects of the board gaming world right found i don't want to say from the bottom to the top because that's insulting but you kind of get my drift <laughs> it probably is insulting <laughs> but i just said it earlier. so uh one of the ones it follows established to not established there you go yeah 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 <laughs> so from indie to more established you mean yeah let's go with that see it's it's good to have you two around so you can be nice to people, <laughs> whereas I'm just blunt as a sledgehammer. It's great stuff. <laughs> so the first person that follows is uh, Antoine Bowser, which, of course, we know from many, many different games. It's just a general talk with him and the way he goes through his process, and you can actually see him designing what I assume ends up being... It's, is it Namiji, the game that he just had on Kickstarter oh, recently? Oh, okay, yes. The, um, the spiritual yeah. successor to, to, to Kaido. So that name isn't mentioned in the documentary of the board game. But if you look at the things that he's doing, it's clear that that's what he's working on, which is pretty cool. And then the other big wig in the documentary is Matt Leacock of Pandemic fame. Um, and it talks about mm-hmm. all his different pandemics, as well as his legacy of designing games and, and the amount that he's designed over the years that you know, hasn't been published or from early on in his career. And it follows him to the pandemic championships in Italy, which I know is really on the nose thing to say at the moment. But when this documentary was filmed, Eeps. yeah, exactly. Uh, but it follows him there as well as launching the fall of Rome pandemic, which have I've mm. sat, have you played that one, Ella? Uh, no, I did go through like a demo of it. Yeah. So I've really wanted to play really it and playing. I was going to play it. <laughs> I think I was going to play it this year at BorderCon. And then we we're all told to stay inside and never move again. So, but I'd like <laughs> to get it at some point because it looks really cool. So they're the two big established names it talks about. And then it follows three other people as well. So we've got uh, Chris Falkenberry, which is, I think, the best last name in the history of ever. Falkenberry, <laughs> I believe. Falkenberry. Yes. And he is a man who designed a game called Battle of Bitonia, which he had already designed. And it follows him going through the process of taking it onto Kickstarter for the first time. Mm. Then there is uh, Doug Shepherds, I think it's pronounced, a man with... And I'm happy to say it, the most annoying facial hair in the history of man. Um, Absolutely. Ellie, you need, you need to Google this man. Oh, no, maybe no. For the facial I'm hair. Yeah, every part of me wants to just go up and just go snip, snip and call it a day. So it goes through a game that he's designing. Uh, it's a fantasy slash spelling game called Spells. Got to give it to him for that name. Very, very clever. So this is a game that he is designed He's designing from scratch from the first time. He's never done anything else in the board gaming sphere as opposed to being, you know, in there for a long time. There you go, Ella. That's the picture that... What do you think? Yep. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love how you're so nice. You (laughs) counterbalance us quite well. And then the final person that follows is uh, Kelly North Adams, who's designed a few different games, notably uh, Johnny Appleseed, Chibi Quest, and Musical Chairs. Uh, musical chairs is about to be published and in the documentary it shows her going straight to uh developers and producers so one of the other guys is going the kickstarter route 
One of them is designing stuff for the first time and she is going straight to developers, which is an interesting way to, to do things. There was a, I remember when this happened, I think she was introduced later on because there was a big thing about this documentary that it had no women in it or anybody was not a man. <laughs> so that was a big issue with this thing because you do have like Inca, why, why, like Inca brand mm. or yeah, a ton of other, yeah. People. So, how, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, it's a, that a absolutely fair. Valid point. They actually yeah. say in the director's commentary that she was the last one to be added to it, um, as well as some of the talking heads that are in um, the documentary um, are female, but definitely not as many to male, which just sadly is, I suppose, the way a hobby works, which is quite depressing. But either way, but she puts a very, very positive spin on it. And she, um, yeah, she's one of the highlights of the whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah. look, Kelly, she, she is really invigorating because she is. Not an established designer, but she's certainly been in board games for a while, loves playing them and has a couple of designs under her belt. But but Ellie, yeah, you are 100% right. I wrote a list of all the sort of people who were featured in, in this mm. um, documentary over the hour and a half. And I wrote down the names of, of two women. Yes. So it was Kelly North Adams, as Leon mentioned, and then you've got Liz Spain from Pathfinder, Widow's Walk and Apocrypha. And... That was kind of it, you know, a, a, a couple of other women featured minimally with a, a, a small, you know, piece to camera, but there was no feature in this. And, and as Leon says, you've got those sort of five main characters in the game, but just to rattle off the names of other people who were featured in here, you've got Eric Lang, Wolfgang Kramer, Reiner Knizia, Friedman Fries, Matt Gertz, Glenn Drover, Tom Vassell, obviously, Mike Salinka, uh, Sen Fung Lim, Matt Laycock, Tom Lehman, Anton Bowser, Martin Wallace, Warb Dabiao, uh, Z Garcia, Uwe Rosenberg, Vlada Chivartl, Sandy Peterson, Ryan Lolcat, as you mentioned, and even Vital Serta gets a little bit of a photo. He doesn't say anything. But yes, this is very weighted into the, the male perspective, which, you know, is it is it a nature of the hobby at the moment and, and the representation is, I don't know, is it is it real or is it, you know, unjustly weighted. I, I would love to get your opinion on this. No, I guess uh, this is the great thing about working uh, at VR Distribution because I've looked into a lot of games. I actually found that a lot of women produce more, ma like ma more mass-produced games. Like for the person who made set, which is like millions and millions of games sold worldwide, is a woman. So I guess it's more hobby gaming that is, you know, in that sphere where it's a bit more, you know, I don't know how to say it nicely because I'm being nice. But yeah, there are more men who are designing or the uh, women are not being spotlighted. I guess because if there are men you go who are doing the production, then you go to friend, most of their friends are men. So that's it. But yeah, that, it would have been nice to see Inka. And like, she's one of yeah, my favorite designers. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, it does kind of suck. But at the end of the day, hopefully things are slightly improving. And I do think, especially with this year, and I'm hoping especially with this year, with... Um, Elizabeth Hargrave Elizabeth. and Wingspan. Oh, like, if there was a glass ceiling, which I'd like to think in our hobby there wasn't for women, but I can't say anything. I have not been in it in a like that kind of way to say if there was for women or not. But if there was, I mean, that glass ceiling she has smashed the crap out of, as far as I'm concerned. So hopefully, it just leads to more and more and more and more. Did you know she won like best podcast on the BGG? Oh, did she <laughs> now? I take back <laughs> yes. everything I just said. <laughs> she can go to hell. <laughs> no, no, no. I wish she her. She won everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Look, I mean, the thing is, who would have thought that 
when we're talking about the fact that there's a board game documentary. Mm. A couple of years ago, this wouldn't have seen the light of day. And this is a nature of something that is, you know, like the whole Kickstarter situation. The fact that someone with an idea and passion and the ability, because they're in North America, to relatively easily travel to a very large number of conventions. And as you said, Leon, they do get to Essen, they do get to Luca in Italy to, to go and um, go to a couple of international cons. But the fact that someone with a camera, an idea and a couple of connections can go and make an hour and a half documentary about board gaming, which yes, continues to be on the rise, but is mm. still a niche hobby is fantastic. And that's something that I think the hobby should be really proud of. The, the, the content itself, is fine it gives you five different stories it gives you the experience from doug which is i've got an idea in my head let's turn it into a game and Mm -hmm. the game is garbage and it doesn't see the light of the day spoiler alert you've got the battle for baternia which is a kickstarter that failed the first time and all the constructive feedback that came from that that led into a potentially a kickstarter success you should probably watch the the documentary to find out and then you know, Matt does provide a lot of context for this. He he certainly gives his story from when he was an up-and-coming designer and basically saying he's got so many designs that will never see the light of the day, but they have what led him to be now one of the, the world's most recognisable game designers. It's, it's a really interesting way to spend an hour and a half. Yeah, and that's the thing about this is that we're recommending this because obviously, you know, it was sent to us very nicely. Um, so we had a chance to to look at it by Eric. But the thing is, this is a documentary that could happily sit on your Netflix, your stands, your Hulus, your whatever, with any other kind of documentary. It's not, if you're not into board games, you won't enjoy this. It's just the personal aspect of it that has these people on their journeys. It's a little bit more for people like us that are in the hobby that understand it a little bit better. Because for me, seeing things like, um, seeing Matt Leacock and Antoine Bowser designing new games and seeing them cutting out like bits of cardboard and stuff like using office supplies which i see you know when people come to conventions with their prototypes to see these guys that you know they're not millionaires but these are people that have sold games that have sold millions so to see them working on stuff like in their offices it just blew my mind that they do it the same process as the people that are just starting out yeah yeah, I guess that's the beauty about documentaries. Like it, you know, Tiger King. Like we we don't know anybody who takes care of Tiger, but it's very interesting <laughs> because of the personal, uh, the human journey. Yeah, I find those things interesting. So I will. I big clue. I haven't watched it, so I might check it out now after this. Well, if you do want to watch it, Ella, there are plenty of different ways that you can do. And Garth, you were looking at that earlier. Absolutely. So you can get it on your iTunes, you can get it on your Google Play, you can get it on Vimeo and you can get it on something else. I'm looking at Google Play right now. It's about $6 in in Australian money. I presume it would be the same amount on the Apple Store. It's just called The Game Designers and features a very earnest looking Matt Leacock and a whole bunch (laughs) of scribbles in, in the background. But for $6, that is definitely worth an hour and a half of your time. It is really quite interesting. It's not nerdy it's not too in-depth it just relays five different stories really interestingly yeah and i don't know if they have them on any of those services a better podcast probably an award-winning one like miss hargroves would have looked into this <laughs> sorry I'm, 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 I'm not bitter i'm not bitter she deserves it all. i'm not bitter um but 
the special features which were sent to us as well, like the director's commentary and the featurettes and stuff, there's heaps of different additional footage and stuff that if you like this, you can go into and watch. And it's as good a producer documentary we're going to get about our hobby. So it's definitely worth checking out. And guess what? Just like that, that's the show. However, we've got a few more little things to talk about. First, we're going to chat to Ella a bit more and get her to plug all her sort of shenanigans because that's what she's here for. She's here for shameless self-promotion, not just because she's our friend. Uh, but before you do that, Ella, I can see you chopping at the bit. Calm down. <laughs> Garth, we need to do something that we were supposed to do a week ago, but we got kind of busy. We've got to launch a new competition and arguably one of the coolest ones we've ever done. Absolutely. We're giving away free money. Who wants some mm. free money? Me. No, no, I Ella. Actually, as well. you can still win, Ella. You just have to put in the best entry by a, fi- by a mile. <laughs> well, I was okay. going to try and coordinate these two and call it an Ella FG competition, but seeing as you're in <laughs> VR distribution, I don't know whether I'm allowed to do that. So, look, yeah, LFG, who are clearly long-term sponsors and our favourite people, barring the three of us right now, uh, in the world, have kindly given us a $100 gift voucher to mm-hmm. one lucky listener. Now, what are we going to make people do, Leon, to win a $100 voucher? Uh-huh. Are we just going to say, just send us a photo with you and your family members doing some village people things of LFG? We're going to make the monkeys dance. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make them dance. <laughs> no, what we're going to do is ask them the same thing we've done for the last couple of uh, competitions. The last couple we've had when we gave away uh, Robin Hood and his Merry Men and uh, Western Legends. When those, we asked for a Robin Hood slash a Western kind of theme. With this, since mm-hmm. it's LFG and they encompass everything about board gaming, we're simply going to ask, send us any picture of you and your friends and your families playing games during this kind of lockdown type situation. That's all you've got to do. Send us a photo and maybe a little story about that game you played or a story even about yourself. That is completely fine. To the Dicemen cometh at gmail.com. And today is the 16th of May. We will be drawing this competition somewhere around the 30th, maybe even the 1st of June. So you've got a couple of weeks, but get in there because this one I have a feeling is probably going to be the competition we get the most entries for out of one we've done in a very long time. Absolutely. So yes, make sure you go to dicemancometh at gmail.com or add it on Facebook or add it and send it to us on Twitter or Instagram. We don't care. Just send in your entries because we want to give away $100 to one lucky listener. Now, Ella, <laughs> okay, this is this is where... This know, is it. This is, this is your moment now. This is your big break. Oh, yeah. Southern Hemisphere is just <laughs> watching intently. Yeah, so you can um, watch me on my YouTube channel at Ella Loves Board Games. You can follow me on Instagram at Ella Loves Board Games, on Facebook at Ella Loves Board Games, and on Twitter at Ella Loves BG. I might be doing stuff for Dice Tower also, so that's not official, but I'm going to force their hand now that I've said it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you have to do? We've been trying to do that for yeah. years. We just have to... F- right. We'll send a copy of this to Tom Vassell. He'll be, he'll be fine. Yeah, cool. So I might be doing previews with... Uh, well, they do previews with Mark Street, so I might be doing that. So I'm going to join Stella, another one of our that's audiences. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, doing well. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Fantastic. Well, look, Ella, thank you so much for wasting your Saturday night with us. It's been a real pleasure because Leon nice. and I sure as hell don't have anything more exciting to be doing. So no. it's been a, a really nice way to spend uh, the most recent episode, which is number 300 and Five. something or other. Who 305. knows? Wowzers. Yeah. Can I just say, because I do a podcast and it's a baby, I know the effort that goes to it. 
into doing that and to be at 300 is amazing so congrats. what is the podcast that you do much. ella please tell us more about oh it. yes i did that yes. that was it uh, so do i do my job or what yeah. um so yeah i do have a podcast it's variable player power but it's not just board game related we do queer news um pop culture so it's a lot of animal crossing so. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good so if you know if you want to know how much turnips are going for at the moment that's yes the podcast absolutely. To listen to, is that right? cool yes absolutely but before you two go it's very important that i ask you because everyone in australia and in board gaming hobby and around the world are dying to know what's the most sunburned you've ever been oh i'll go first yep. so it was the summer of 1997 and I hired a house with a couple of mates and drove down to the South Coast. And on the very first afternoon, went to the beach. Of course, didn't sunscreen up. And when I, I wouldn't even say woke up, but when I recovered from an afternoon of drinking on the beach, I had maybe burnt through about four or five layers of skin. And it was like my back was a jigsaw puzzle the next day because it was all crumbly, it was all painful, and it was weepingly bad. Oh. I have never been that sunburnt again, and I never, ever will be. It was horrible. Okay, Ella, your, your turn. Disgusting. Your turn, because I've got a per I, perler to finish off. I see, my story is bad. I've never been sunburnt. It's because I'm vain. Like, I would not want any of that <laughs> right. happening to my skin. No way. <laughs> I was young and stupid. That was my Okay, well, we've clearly proved you're smarter than us already tonight. So thank you for that. Because I'm, my story. Also, I'm darker. Well. We don't burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Must be nice. Well, anyway, my story was when I was about six or seven and I got burnt. I was just on the back of my legs and it wasn't that bad. But the reason I remember this as opposed to any other time is because I was up at our family shack and I was playing on some old bits of wooden boards and something over else and I fell over. And I remember I fell over because there was sunburn on the back of my legs and it kind of hurt. So I fell over, didn't think twice about it, walked into the shack and my mum was there at the kitchen doing a bit of washing up. She turned, faced me and she had a plate in her hand, dropped it on the floor and smashed it and looked at me with an expression I've never seen before in my entire life. And I was like, what did she look... And she kind of pointed at my leg and I looked down and one of my legs was red and it was red from blood because when I had tripped over on those boards, a nail, a rusty nail had gone through my kneecap and my entire leg was covered in blood because I had a little bit of sunburn on the back of my legs and it made me trip over. There you go. How about that? Ouch. These are horrible stories. I regret mm. being on this show now. Like, why did I suffer through that? Well, that's why this we left it to disgusting. the end, because we're clever. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank All you, right. Garth, as always. And thank you, Ella. This was a lovely time having you on the show. And I dare say it will not be the last time. Thanks, Ella. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Till next fortnight. We will see you again. We love you all. Stay safe. Mwah. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their flagship events, LFG Sydney and LFG Essen Unplugged, as well as their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.